You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. episode of the Let's Talk Football podcast. I'm your host Billy Powell and today we are back with a game week review. Obviously from game week 33, the one that's just gone. Um, We're also going to talk about the Man City Spurs Carabao Cup final as well. We'll start off with that one in a minute. But before that, I'd just like to say a massive thank you for all of the recent support on the last couple of episodes. Obviously, it's been a hectic last week with all of the... uh, um, Europa Super League stuff going on and owners and fans and Florentino Perez and it's just been mental but hopefully that's all been tucked under the carpet never to come out again but anyway we'll start in straight off with the Man City Spurs game and I'll be honest it was such a boring game in my opinion I mean, Spurs played so negatively, and I mean, they do anyway, but it doesn't help when you've just sacked a born winner in Jose Mourinho, does it? Um, Mourinho is someone who's never lost a cup final within 90 minutes. So, you know, why would you sack someone like that? You want to win your first trophy in God knows how many years. And you sack him six days before the final. I mean, there's been a few rumours going about saying that that he had a massive, massive bonus in his contract. I think it was somewhere, I think I saw around the 10 million mark, something like that. So maybe that's the reason Daniel Levy thought we can't afford that. So he's got to go and then gave it, gave the job obviously to Ryan Mason. Um, I don't know, but it's just such a weird one. Unless it is a, um, a financial thing, I just find it so weird that you're trying to go for that first trophy in God knows how long. I think since 2008, off the top of my head, I'm probably wrong there. But you go, 
I just can't wrap my head around why you would sack, as I say, a born winner like Jose Mourinho, so close to the cup final. I mean, he hasn't necessarily been playing great football anyway, so maybe it was just easier for Daniel Levy to do it before the cup final than afterwards. If he'd have won, then, I mean, it's impossible to sack someone just after they've won a trophy, isn't it, really? So... Maybe that's behind it, but I don't know. I just found it a really weird one. I'll tell you what, though. Sky Sports loved pointing out that Ryan Mason was only 28, didn't they? Oh, my God. They mentioned it at every single opportunity they could have done. But, I mean, it was always going to be an uphill battle for Spurs against such an incredible Pep Guardiola, Man City side. It was never going to be easy for them. Just made so much more difficult with the sacking of Mourinho, of course. But yeah, I think I think the way the game planned out, it wasn't Ryan Mason's tactics. I think given only six days until the final that he was appointed, I think it's probably more so a case of just do what you've been doing with Jose and then we can try and rebuild after that kind of thing. I don't... I don't know, it just I just can't see Ryan Mason having such negative tactics and just going so negatively at the game, if you know what I mean. Um, but I think Laporte should have been sent off. I don't think there's many people saying that Laporte shouldn't have been sent off. I mean, the two fouls were clearly both bookable offences that he obviously only got booked for one. And then he came up with the winner as well. But um, yeah, I saw. I actually saw a TikTok of a referee. She was refereeing for the past five years or so at uh, grassroots level, and she actually mentioned that referees at a cup final at Premier League level, rather than actually refereeing a game of football, she actually said that they're more managing a game. Managing an event is the actual word she used, but. It's interesting because she she mentioned in there that people are playing Sunday League football, they get booked for a certain tackle, and then in the cup final, they the exact same thing happens. A defender brings someone down, cynically, of course, and then he doesn't get booked for it. And then the defender at grassroots levels thinking, well, why have I been booked for it then? I think... I think she made a great point that referees are managing an event rather than actually refereeing a football game, which I don't, I don't like. I don't like. If you're a referee, you need to be able to referee and manage the game, you know, rather than... Oh, I don't know. I just don't like the fact that referees are bottling decisions, if you like. They're, referees should be able to make these decisions without... With confidence, not relying on someone else or VAR or someone like that to overturn them. Because that Laporte sending off could have changed the complete complexity of the game. Spurs, there would have been a lot more space for Spurs to attack in. And I just don't like that that decision hasn't been given. Because that would well and truly have completely changed the game. And maybe Man City would have gone on to win it, but at least it was done on a level playing field with the correct decisions having been made. But saying that, though, 
City, yeah, absolutely deserved to win it. I mean, they completely dominated Spurs. As I said, Spurs were just so negative in the game. And yeah, City won it four times in a row now, which it, it's just ridiculous. But fair play to them. Pep Guardiola is just a serial winner, isn't he? So, and yeah, they played some beautiful football at times. So fair play to them. But let's move into some of the Premier League action then. And let's start off with Arsenal against Everton on Friday night. And this was a pretty boring game as well, I thought, to be honest with you. I thought Arsenal were the better team in general. But there also weren't that many chances created. I think the biggest talking point from this game was, of course, VAR, the offside and the penalty, which... I mean, that's a whole episode in itself, really. But VAR, what they're playing around at. If you don't know what's happened, so Danny Ceballos was obviously brought down in the box. VAR, or the referee gave the penalty. VAR, rather than looking at whether it was an actual foul or or not, where there was quite clearly no contact whatsoever... They decided to look at an offside that wasn't offside, but they still gave it offside. I mean, what's happened to being level now? Like, why can't players be level? The advantage to the attacker has just been got. It's just gone. Like, and it's wrong. Why? I just don't understand why players can't be level. But even if it was given onside, the penalty still shouldn't have been given because it was so soft. And I, I genuinely can't even see any point of contact that the defender made on Ceballos, which is just mental. But Everton obviously came away with the win here, 1-0. Richarlison passing the ball across goal only for Leno to somehow turn it into the back of his own net. I mean, the fact that Arsenal gave Villa Emmy Martinez for £20 when they kept Burnt Leno, is just, I mean, you're not going to see me complaining. There's no chance in this world that you're ever going to see me complaining because what a keeper Emmy Martinez is. But what those guys at Arsenal were thinking, letting us get Emmy Martinez for 20 million as well, that's such a bargain for a player of his calibre. While they decided to keep Leno as number one, it's, it's just baffling to me. But, yeah, 1-0 is how it ended. All keepers make mistakes eventually. Martinez has made a couple of mistakes. He's had a couple of dodgy um, appearances this season for Villa. But we'll get on to Emi Martinez and Villa a bit later as we move on to Liverpool and Newcastle. And well, it's the same old story at Liverpool, isn't it? Just cannot take their chances. I think Jota, Mane and Salah were... All so, so wasteful in this game. I can't remember off the top of my head how many shots they had between them. Or Liverpool had in total, should I say. But, I mean, last season, it would have been a rugby score considering the chances that they created. But, I mean, credit to Steve Bruce, though. He's made Newcastle 100% safe. And, I mean... (laughs) I'm surprised that Newcastle didn't actually win this game. They had two very legitimate goals. Well, they had one very legitimate goal ruled out. 
And then they did obviously end up scoring another one, both in extra time as well after the 90 minutes. Um, Just incredible. That guy, Joe Willock, again, single-handedly, his goals have kept Newcastle up. He scored so many important goals for them this season. So, I mean, fair play to him, fair play to Newcastle, fair play to Steve Bruce. He's done the job somehow, kept himself in a job for another year. I mean, there's not really much more you can say than fair play regarding that. I mean, I just certainly had them to go down considering how well Fulham were playing earlier in the season. But as I say, they've Steve Bruce always manages to do it somehow, doesn't he? Always manages to do it. And we thought the same of Sam Allardyce before he took this <laughs> before he took the West Brom job. But as I said about Emmy Martinez, obviously Villa and West Brom played each other. So I'll leave that one for a bit later. But yeah, credit Steve Bruce for doing what he's done at Newcastle, for keeping them up. And what a player Alan St. Maximin is as well, just before we move on to the Chelsea West Ham game. St. Maximin is such a great player. One that I can't see him staying at Newcastle much longer. Surely with the boring football that they're playing, surely he can't stay there much longer. But if he does, then again, fair play to them. I just can't see it happening. Hopefully he'll come to Villa. But that's another thing that I can't really see happening either, to be honest. Moving on, though, to the West Ham-Chelsea game. And like a lot of these games, <laughs> like a lot of these games this week, it was another very boring game, I thought. Um, I don't enjoy watching these two teams at the best of times. West Ham and Chelsea just have, in my opinion, just they're just so boring to watch. Like they just don't attack. Like it's not fast-paced, moving, enjoyable football. It's just I don't know. I just don't enjoy watching either of them play. And coming up against each other, it, yeah, it was the same story. Um, although. I'll be honest, Chelsea were the much better team. I thought VAR, again, a theme throughout the week. Just a complete and utter joke for that um, sending off on Balbuena, of course. But Chelsea somehow managed to do it again. I say somehow managed to do it again like they're not in the top, <laughs> like they're not in the top four. But yeah, Timo Werner getting a goal is as rare as a Sheffield United win. And we all know how rare they are at the minute. And we'll get on to them in just a second. But Timo Werner, credit to him. Another one that I'm giving credit to. I'm giving credit out to everyone today. But no, Timo Werner, he doesn't stop, does he? He keeps on going, keeps on going. Yes, he may miss a few open goals, but he will eventually score one. Which is, of course, what he did here. And... I don't know if you saw it. If you didn't see it, you, you've got to search it up because it was the funniest thing. Timo Werner missed, after he scored his goal, <laughs> Timo Werner missed one of the chances of the season and Tuchel's reaction was just hilarious. If you've not seen it, just go and search up on YouTube or something because it is honestly so, so funny. But obviously Chelsea came away with all three points in this game. King Lingard went ghosting. Is that much of a surprise, really? <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, though, I genuinely don't think that we'll see West Ham in Europe next season. I think 
I mean, it's a massive shame for them. They've been fantastic this season. Although I've not enjoyed watching them, they've they really have been playing some. They've not been playing some good football, but they've been grinding out results. And that's the most important thing in football, isn't it? Just getting those results, getting those three points. But unfortunately, I think they're just going to fall short. Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool just behind them as well. I think it's only one or two points. So I, I, I can really see them dropping some points that Liverpool will be able to capitalise on in the next few weeks. So, I mean, it'll be an interesting one. I'm, I'm not really on either side whether I want them to finish Europe or not. I mean, it really doesn't bother me. But I, th- I think it'd be good to see them there because it's just not one of the big six. It's someone outside. It's one of the other 14, I suppose. But yeah, um, I, I just can't see it happening if I'm being perfectly honest with you. But moving on to the Sheffield United and Brighton game. And as I just said, Timo Werner goals come around as often as Sheffield United wins. And, well, they won again. It just so happens that it's on the same weekend as well. Um, I didn't watch the game, if I'm being honest with you. But from the highlights, Brighton, as you would expect, much the better team. And, oh my days, how bad is Neil Mope? Like he missed chance after chance after chance and a Premier League striker, a top Premier League striker has got to be putting those away. He was so, so poor. I mean, he missed one from two yards out, which was an open goal that somehow managed to go over the bar. But yeah, I mean, credit Sheffield United. David McGoldrick again popping up for his eighth of the season, I think it was. But that got me thinking as well. Sheffield United are obviously down and out. They have been for a long, long time now. But let me know because I'm really intrigued actually. If Will any Sheffield United players actually stay in the Premier League? Or do you think they'll all go down to the Championship? Because I genuinely can't think of anyone who would want to buy any Sheffield United players. I think Aaron Ramsdale, the age that he is... He's probably looking for first-team football, and I think the championship in... Let's let's face it, Sheffield United will be a decent side in the championship. I don't know whether they'll be pushing for promotion again, but they'll certainly be a decent side. And I think Aaron Ramsdale's a very, very good keeper at that level. He was very good last season for Bournemouth, just couldn't do it this season with Sheffield United, but it was obviously under different circumstances, so... I don't think he will. I don't think he'll leave. If I'm being honest with you, I think that he will stay there. But I, I genuinely can't think of anyone else. Maybe Sanderberg. Obviously, he's out injured at the minute and has been for a while as well. But other than that, I really can't think of any Sheffield United players that any team in the Premier League would want to sign. To be honest with you, so. I mean, it'll be interesting because obviously we've got Norwich and Watford already confirmed coming up back to the Premier League. Bournemouth, who went down as well last year, they're still in the uh, still in within a chance. They're I, cu- I think they're currently fifth in the Championship, so I think they're playing. It looks like anyway that they'll be playing Swansea in the playoffs, which that's going to be a great game. And if Bournemouth do come up, it'll be the first ever time that all three teams that went down the previous year 
have come up the following year, which I don't know that that's just a mad stat to me. I don't, I don't feel like it'd be that hard for a team to do, but obviously being a Villa fan, we've been down there. It is so hard, the championship to get out of. So you really don't want to be going back down there if you can help it. Obviously Sheffield United, West Brom and Fulham do look like they will be going down. So yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, Sheffield United players that will stay in the Premier League, if you can think of any, don't, please let me know and let me know the team that you support as well. Let me know at, um, on Instagram and Twitter at LTFootballPod. It'll be really good to know. Wolves hosted Burnley in the next Premier League game and man, what a game this was. I couldn't believe what I was watching when Chris Wood first put that goal in and then he got his second and then he got his third within the space of what, 44 minutes? I mean, it's just mad, isn't it? I think he's the first player to score a first half hat-trick away since Michael Owen in 1998. I mean, what? A, I mean, he took his goals fantastically. So fair play to him. I mean, Chris Wood is a great striker as well. He's another one that falls into like the Giroud category of just because they're big and lumpy, it means that they're rubbish kind of thing. I mean, he's never been quick, but he's always, always been reliable in front of goal and. I mean, that's why he's so good at Burnley, isn't it? He crops up with a goal every now and then. I say every now and then, fairly often. And, I mean, Wolves just looked so poor, didn't they? Let's not, let's face it. They were so, so bad in this game. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Nuno was to leave in the summer. But to who, that's the question. I think Spurs will probably be looking at him. I mean... The thing is, I think he'd be a very Spurs appointment, if I'm being honest with you. I think he's just Jose Mourinho, just without the reputation, isn't he? Which, I mean, it'd just be so Spurs if, if they were to do it. But I don't know. I just feel like um, I just feel like Nuno is probably one of the best things to ever happen to Wolves. And the way that they've been... Being able to grind out results in the past few seasons has just been incredible. And to get Europe with them at the first time of asking in the Premier League and then to come so close last season as well and then just to drop off the end of a cliff this season. It's been really weird. It's just been so weird. And I think a lot of it does have to go down to Raul Jimenez's injury. But I just I just can't believe how fast that they've fallen. It's, it's just mental. But yeah, as I say, it really wouldn't surprise me, to be honest with you, if if Nuno was to go. Whether it will be to Spurs, I don't know. But yeah, um, I think he will go event. I mean, everyone goes eventually, don't they? No one's in a job forever unless you're Sir Alex Ferguson and then you retire. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think his time at Wolves is most probably coming to an end. But moving on to the massive, massive game of the of the weekend, really, that wasn't the uh, Carabao Cup final. I was really looking forward to this one. Leeds against Man United, the two massive, massive rivals. Um, but it was just another boring game. 
I was really hoping that there would be so many goals in this game, particularly last time. I think it was, what, 6-2 to United or something like that. But I certainly didn't expect this to end nil-nil, considering both of their playing styles as well. It was just so underwhelming. And I was really hoping that it'd be another one of those end-to-end games. I mean, as I said, we've had such an... There have been so many boring games this weekend. It's been so annoying. I was praying that this one would be the one to kind of lift them all up and be the exciting game of the weekend. But, oh, how wrong I was. <laughs> I think I think United were the better team, if I'm being honest with you. But, I mean, it's such, it's such a hard one to call who was the better team, if you know what I mean. Because... It was it was really even game in all fairness to them. I think Man United probably have the better of the chances because they're obviously attacking more. And fair play to Leeds as well for being able to hold them out. Earlier in the season, they weren't able to do that to teams. But I think to, sh- to show and to prove that they are now able to hold teams out, it's a massive help to them, especially with how attacking they are as well. But yeah, I mean... <sighs> What what else can I say, really? It was such a boring game. These are the types of games, though, that you want someone like Bruno Fernandes to, to pop up in and to create something out of nothing. But I was looking at his stats earlier, and he's not scored from open play since the 7th of February, and that was in their 3-3 draw against Everton. How mad is that, that supposedly this amazing Bruno Fernandes, one of the best players in the league... Hasn't scored from open play since the 7th of February. We're now, as I'm recording this, it's the 26th of May. Obviously the 27th when it's coming out. Of April, sorry, not May. But yeah, it, it's just mental to think that Bruno Fernandes hasn't hasn't scored from open play. Obviously he's been scoring penalties. That's what he does best. He goes down easy, he gets a penalty, and then he gets his name on the score sheet. But saying that, though, he's only had like three or so penalties since that goal against Everton, which is mad in itself because United, <laughs> United always get penalties. But anyway, I, I really can't be bothered to talk about Leeds and Man United much longer. So I'm going to talk about and move on to the West Brom Aston Villa game. The derby, as some fans like to call it. Look... <laughs> As you all know, I'm a massive Villa fan, but it was such a poor performance from us, I thought. Um, I thought at the time anyway that it was a poor performance, but after looking at the stats and being able to dissect it, if you like, we had 24 shots. We, We didn't play too bad, but we just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. I thought for our penalty, it was very, very clumsy from Sami Ajayi. For the West Brom penalty, and I'm really trying not to be biased here, but it was so, so soft. It was literally the graze of a boot. Now, if we're given, if we're giving penalties away for that, I mean, seriously. The game is well and truly gone, isn't it? I mean, some of the decisions this weekend have just been absolutely ridiculous. There was obviously the one, (laughs) the uh, Callum Wilson one in the Liverpool-Newcastle game that was a joke. That wasn't a penalty. But 
the goal was ruled out, of course. But this penalty decision was... I just don't understand how a referee can look at that and say, yeah, that's a penalty. He's literally grazed his boot. It doesn't... I'm genuinely speechless because I just don't know what to say. It it just it's not a penalty. It just isn't a penalty. But obviously West Brom did go two one up. I think this goal was just so unfortunate. It's a slip that can happen to anyone. And then typically the shots going wide and Tyrone Mings just dive in to block it in, gets a touch off him and obviously pass Martinez. There's not much you can do about that. It was just so unfortunate and it just seemed like it was going to be one of those days for Villa, to be honest with you. But that was until Keenan Davis came on. Now, if you follow me on my personal account on Twitter, at AVBilly, you will know how much I've been wanting Keenan Davis to get some game time, to come on, have time to prove himself. Now, this game was one of his typical, um, it was the typical five or ten minute cameo. But finally, finally, Keenan Davis got his first Premier League goal. And I'm so, so happy for him. It's been coming for ages. He's fully, fully deserved it. And yeah, I'm just absolutely buzzing for him. So, so happy that he managed to get it. The thing is, a lot of there's been a lot of criticism over Keenan Davis and a lot of Villa fans don't like him because he's had such and such appearances with only one goal now. But this season he's played 150 minutes out of a possible 2,888. 150 minutes. How does anyone expect... How You wouldn't expect Messi to come on and get five goals or whatever. I mean, it's impossible for anyone to come on given 150 minutes throughout the whole season to come on and seriously have an effect on every single game that he's played. The thing with Keenan Davis is he does have an effect every single time he comes on. He makes defenders think about things that they've not had to think about throughout the whole game. And yeah, as I say, I'm just so happy for him to come on. And Wesley as well. He's spent 148 days out and it's out through injury, of course. And it's so, so good to see him back as well. So he, he actually had a very good chance to, uh, to to win the game after that Keenan Davis equaliser in the 92nd minute. But it just wasn't to be. That had been just incredible if Wesley was to get himself at the winner as well. But although it wasn't the best result, there are certainly positives to take out of the game from a Villa perspective. West Brom, though, I think that result just confirms that they're down, to be honest with you. I think they're, what, nine points adrift from Brighton now in 17th. So, I mean, it's going to be a serious, serious battle if they are to do it. Which, I mean, Villa had seven points to make up from just four games last season. West Brom have now got to get nine from five. It's not impossible, but it is impossible at the same time. I really can't see West Brom doing it. And Mateus Pereira, 
what a player he is. And I think there's a, there's a chance that we could see him at Villa Park next season as well, in the Claret and Blue of Villa, which I would absolutely love. I think he's a great player. And yeah, I'm really excited because if he does come, he offers us something else that we don't have. He can play that Ross Barkley role. And you all know my thoughts on Ross Barkley. But yeah, it was so good to see Wesley back. So good to see Keenan Davis get his first Premier League goal. And as I say, although not the best result, there are certainly positives to take out of the game. But that's all from me today, though. Thank you all very much for listening. Don't forget to go over and follow us on Twitter and Instagram and also TikTok as well. We've got TikTok. But at LT Football Pod is our at on all socials. So please do go over and give us a follow. Also, give us a like, share, share us with family members and things like that. If you are enjoying the episode, friends as well, of course, it is all very much appreciated. So thank you all. Take it easy and I'll see you soon for a brand new episode on Friday. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.